Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begon Personal Organization. And this week I wanna tell you a little bit about a custom that I'm starting with my family. Um, we are, as it's customary between Pesach and Shavuot, we are learning the Pirkei Avot, ethics of our fathers and, or the fathers. And typically the way that people do this is they learn it on Shabbat afternoon, but we are not doing it that way. We are dividing up the chapters um, in half and we're doing half Friday night at dinner and half Friday night up uh, on Shabbat for lunch. And uh, that works for us. Um, and it's really great. We do it in just a fast uh, style just so that the kids can get accustomed to it. It's a little bit hard for them to sit for very long. And some of the, the psukim are a little bit long. And so we just try to do it in a very basic way. If they have a question, we answer the question and we expound on it a little bit. But mostly we're just going over it in a basic way. But this week's chapter, chapter two, Parak Bet, is um, related to organization. And or at least it's related to zero waste. <laughs> and a few weeks ago, a listener brought this to my attention. And I was trying to think, like, how could I incorporate this Mishnah into a class, into, a, into an episode? And I, I couldn't figure it out until finally I was like, it's a good time to do it this week because it's actually the Mishnah. And I actually wasn't going to record this week at all because... Today is actually Yom HaAtzmaut, um, and last night was, uh, yesterday was Yom HaZikaron, and uh, Memorial Day and Independence Day, and you know, my kids are off from school, and I wanted that time to be with them and observe the local traditions, but um, when I, the more I thought about it, the more I decided I really wanted to read you the part in the Mishnah that I want to talk about, and I wanted to read you the commentary that is written here, because... I think it's really related. So again, this is not necessarily my my exact thoughts or anything. I'm reading from the um, Art Scroll Masora series, Pirkei Avot, the one with the green cover. Uh, and I just want to read you the commentary on this part of the parak. And so the 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 whole the whole. Um, Mishnah talks about, you know, having more gets you some other negative solution <laughs> or, or feeling, but this is the one specific area that I want to zoom in on, which is Marbe Nakasim, Marbe Deaga. Uh, the more possessions you have, the more worry you have. And I want to just read you what it says here in the Art Scroll Commentary. The more possessions, the more worry. As one grows a little older, he progresses from a desire for food to a desire for money. Worldly possessions do not assure a good life. Property can be stolen, damaged, seized by the government, or lose its value based on the fickleness of the market. Hence, possessions can often be a source of incessant worry. One who possesses $100 wants 200 while he who has two desires four. Similarly, the more one possesses, the greater the amount he needs to compensate for a loss. The wealthy have more to lose and therefore more to worry about than those of more modest means. Chavos Halavavos, as quoted by Rav, cites the prayer of a righteous man who made the following request of God. 
May the omnipresent rescue me from a scattering of the soul. His intent was that God should prevent him from, the, from owning properties and possessions in too many locations, causing the preoccupation of his heart and mind to be dispersed over the seven seas. Financial success is ordained in heaven. One cannot earn a penny more than what he was inscribed for him on Rosh Hashanah. Hence, by increasing his possessions, one does not increase his income. He only increases the things he has to be worried about. I think that there's so much here that I have um, always said to you. <laughs> I want to read one more um, story, parable that's here in the, in, in the text. Um, in the bottom, there's a box that says, Welcome Stranger. A well-to-do man came to visit the Jose of Lublin for Shabbos. One Friday night after the prayers, everybody passed by the Rebbe to exchange Shabbos greetings. When the wealthy merchant passed by, the Rebbe stretched out his hand and said, Shalom Aleichem, welcome, he said. The guest was surprised. Rebbe, you welcome me today upon my arrival in Lublin. Why again? Yes, my friend, you are right, the Rebbe replied. However, I noticed during the prayers that you seem preoccupied. Since much of your business is based in the market in the port city of Danzig, your mind wandered off to Danzig to check up on your dealings, even while your body was here in the synagogue in Lublin. Now that you have returned, it is only right that I welcome you back. So I think that that story is really, um, has a really strong message because I definitely think that when we're thinking about our stuff, it definitely distracts us from whatever is on hand right now. Think about all the things you have in your home that have insurance on them, or maybe they're underinsured and you worry about that they're underinsured. I think like just the idea that you spend money on insuring something, well, it, I'm definitely not saying don't get insurance, so please don't misunderstand me, but what I'm saying is, is the fact that we can have so much stuff that would need to be insured, it's a little bit alarming to me. And I remember um, when we moved to Israel, the insurance adjuster, it was such a surreal experience for me. The insurance adjuster came to our house and um, checked up on all of our stuff. And he was looking around and seeing what we brought from America with us. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we have that much stuff. Um, but he says to me, and this was so strange, he said, do you have a shaitel? And I said, yes. And he said, how much is it worth? And I told him, and he said, great, we'll include that in the policy. And he looks at me and he says, does your husband have to fill in? And I said, yes, of course. And he said, excellent, how much are his to fill in worth? And I told him and he said, no problem, we'll ensure his to fill in also. And that had never happened to me. And, I, and the shaito less so than the tefillin because the tefillin are like something that you would I don't know, never think to insure. I don't even know if an American insurance policy would even insure to fill in. <laughs> I mean, maybe not against loss, but certainly against theft. Um, would they insure them? I really don't know. And that to me is the essence of, um, you know, living in Israel, I guess. But also the fact is, is like, those are the things we should be placing value on. I mean, we don't need to have... 20 pairs of tefillin unless we have 20 men living in our house, but, or 20 people, if there's a woman amongst us who wears tefillin, I certainly don't, but maybe some of you do, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's not unheard of. But 
that's the thing. The thing is, is that it's amazing. We don't insure the things that are so costly to us to replace. It's almost as if they don't have a value to us, you know, but the tefillin are certainly valuable. And I never even thought when we lived in America to ever insure the tefillin, right? But here, I mean, you have, um, you need to have insurance, I guess. I guess uh, insurance has always been one of those um, topics that has sort of flummoxed me because it's, it's in, uh, you know, I want to believe Hashem will take care of every single thing for me. Uh, but at the same time, I have to do my part. And so I should have insurance and just hope that Hashem will take care of the rest, right? But, you know, in case something gets damaged, an earthquake or, or a flood or a fire or something like that, you want to be protected, right? At least so that you don't have to replace all of your things. Because even though I don't think we have a lot of things, certainly what it would cost me to replace um, a dining room table and eight chairs and a sofa and a desk and, you know, some of the books that we have, at least, you know, the Svarim that we have, um, Sidurim and Chumashim. If, God forbid, we had a fire in the kitchen and, you know, if I would need new dishes or glasses, I mean, just really basic things to live in. It's not that we have so many, but the cost of replacing that amount of stuff is high. It's not, it's not like it's cheap, you know. If you walk into Ikea even and buy a table and eight chairs and a sofa, it's going to cost you like 10,000 shekels, uh, you know, approximately $4,000, right? Four or $5,000. And maybe not that much at Ikea in America. It's actually less expensive in America, but that's a whole other story. Anyways, the point is, is that you do want to have protection, but I think that so much of the time we're worried about the things, we worry about the things that we have. Maybe we're underinsured. Maybe we have too much insurance. Maybe I didn't get the right insurance for this. Maybe I don't have insurance. Maybe I, um, you know, maybe I should have less. Maybe I don't really want this anymore. Do I want this anymore? Am I, all these things that clutter our minds, um, which tantamountly, you know, which are tantamount to worry. I mean, it's basically worry. We spend our time worrying about our stuff. And Pirkeavos is telling us, we, if we have more, we have, if we have more stuff, we have more worry. So what's the logical conclusion to this, right? The logical conclusion would be to reduce the amount of things that we have. Because when we reduce the amount of things that we have, we reduce our worry, our anxiety, our stress, because not only are we not worried about the item itself in terms of will it get damaged, but we don't have to worry about how are we going to care for it. So when you think about it in that term, when you think about uh, how it will affect you in the like larger placement of all the things that you own, it's a lot easier to think about the excess. So if you, what I mean by that is when you think about how much work you have to do, how much tidying you have to do to, let's say, wash your dining room floor, how much work do you have to do? In my house, all we have to do is put up the chairs. In a lot of people's houses, first they have to clean off the table so they can put up the chairs and then they have to pick up everything on the floor so that they could wash it or even vacuum the floor. 
But that's the thing. Like, I run my robot every night. We pick up the chairs and so so. That's it. We pick up the chairs. We pick up the shoes that the kids left on the floor. And that's basically all that there is to clean up. Oh, that's not true. We also pick up the coffee table and put it on the sofa so that the, uh, it's a very light table and it's very easy to do that. And this way we're ensured that it, the, the robot moves more freely. It doesn't take us a lot of time. It literally takes us less than 10 minutes to set ourselves up to run the vacuum at night. And that's what I'm saying to you. That is the life that I want all of you to have. And I'm not saying my life is perfect. It's far from perfect. I have my own challenges and my own frustrations. They're not usually related to stuff. <laughs> but um, And as I look around my house right now, I definitely see stuff that we could get rid of. And in fact, just this morning, I cleared out two closets. And it wasn't a ton of stuff. And it took me about 10 minutes each closet. But that's not the point. The, I mean, I guess that is the point. The point is, is it took me 10 minutes for each closet to just tidy it up. I haven't tidied it up in months. 10 minutes of my time every couple of weeks doesn't seem like, you know, a big layout of time. But if you actually, if you actually add it up over the course of my life, it's a lot of time. And imagine how much more time I would spend if I wasn't organized in the first place. Or if I wasn't, if I didn't have less, um, I think organization comes to us more naturally when we have less stuff because it's easier to be organized when we have less stuff. Someone said to me this week, I'm not neat and so it's hard for me to be organized. But that's the real, but, but I guess that's the point of what I'm saying is that shouldn't matter if you're neat or you're a total slob. I am actually a total slob, but my slobby, slob tendencies have diminished so much because it's so much easier to take care of my stuff because there's so much less of it. And even when I don't put something away right away, I'm more able or I'm better able to um, cope because not everything else is a mess and it's not such a tragedy when it's not all put away. Um, but it takes time to get that way and it took me time to get that way and it will definitely take you time to get that way but that doesn't mean that it's not a worthy destination. It's not worthy of getting to that goal. Everything good in life takes time and nothing can you snap your fingers and wow, voila, it just happens. Uh, and I just feel like for those of you that are struggling along this journey, remember that it is a journey and there are struggles involved. It's just like losing weight. In fact, someone said to me, however much time it took you to put on a specific amount of weight is how much time, it, let's say it took you a year to, uh, to get it off. It's going to take you, uh, get it on. It's going to take you a month to get it off. If it took you 10 years to get it on, it's going to take you 10 months to get it off. If it's been something you're struggling with your whole life, well, then you got a long road ahead of you. Same thing with clutter. We are naturally born organized or we have some cognitive executive function that can be improved on as we grow and age. We learn how to improve our executive functioning. But we're definitely born with a natural ability. Now, some, some people, it's stronger than in others. But for the most part, 
everybody has it. And yes, like I said, it can be improved on. We can do better, but it becomes a lot more difficult to do better when your senses are completely overloaded. When you have too much stuff, your, your brain can't read what is necessary and what's not necessary because there's just, there's just too much. It's not possible for your mind to really see everything that is actually there. And so I think that um, this Mishnah is actually really intuitive. It's worthwhile to go ahead and read the whole um, pasuk. Um, there's a lot of other ideas that are related to this. But in essence, I think that the Torah has provided us with a guide to living the best life. And because we are so susceptible to marketing, we oftentimes forget that um, more stuff is not the way to lead, lead our best life. And we're tempted by the promises that, you know, this $5 item can do X, Y, and Z and make our lives so much better that, you know, and it breaks after five or 10 minutes and, and we spend $5 on it. And okay, so in the long run, $5 is $5 and it's not going to make us or break us in most cases, but $5 over time does make a big difference. And so I, I guess I, I implore you, I'm begging you to please, 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 please be conscientious about every single thing that comes into your house. Not just because things increase your worry, but because, because it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the environment. It's just, it's not... I just don't think that it's on track with what the Torah wants from us. If the Torah wants us to lead a happy, good life. But the thing is, is all these things, they, they don't give us that. <laughs> so I think it's important to pare down, go back to the basics, figure out what you, um, what you really need. And for each person, that's going to be different. You know, um, I run a Facebook group called Organizing in Israel. And if you want to join, you don't have to live in Israel. And if you don't want to join, that's fine too. But I just want to sort of tell you about something that happened in it. Um, every Thursday, I do a feature called Stay Away Thursday, <laughs> where I feature a product, an organizational product, that looks completely, totally, and utterly useless to me. And how I would never encourage my, uh, my um, clients to buy it. And how I would even say it's a total waste of money. And <laughs> every week, consistently, there is at least one person. And it's not the same person every week. Consistently who says, oh, I have this product. I love it so much. It's a great product. So I guess it just goes to show you that one man's trash is another man's treasure. I feel like most of these things you can do without, but somebody's telling me that they're useful. There's about 1,500 people in the group, and there's always, you know, one lady in the group who's saying to me, this is great. And that's the thing. Like, it, 
for somebody it could be great. So that's, it's a very individual um, choice, what you choose to discard. What works for you is totally useless for someone else and what's totally useless for someone else is great for you, right? Um, or what's great, useless for you is great for somebody else. So I want you to remember that there's no real hard and fast guidelines for what to keep and what to toss. Um, what, what you need to figure out is if the item is useful to you. Because if it's useful to you, you're probably not going to worry about it as much. You're not going to, it's not going to be as big a deal. It would be a tragedy for you if something happened to it. But because it's in use all the time, um, there's less worry about it. I'll give you an example. I have a KitchenAid Cuisinart, which I absolutely love. I've had it for 15 years at least. And it's great. And it's definitely on its last legs. <laughs> um, it's on its last legs. The control panel, the buttons are really all worn out and sometimes it overheats a little. But uh, Bliai and Hara, it's working. And even on my transformer, it's working. And I, and I really love it. And um, every year for Pesach and for Rosh Hashanah, most companies in Israel give gifts to their employees. And most of the time they give gift cards. But uh, this year, the gift cards that they were offering to my husband just didn't, we didn't need any of that stuff. But one thing I did need was because my food processor for Pesach had broken, I needed a food processor for Pesach. So my husband took the food processor option and it, it was um, cheap and it broke after five minutes and <laughs> the parts were plastic and it melted. It melted after five minutes of using it. And the whole Yom Tov, we were thinking about, we were worried about, will the company agree to repair it? Um, you know, will they stand by their, their product? And, I mean, it was considered like a, a, a good brand in Israel. I don't want to say what it was, but it was considered like a good brand in Israel. And I, I said to him, I'm like, I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm sure that they'll agree to repair it. I know it was a gift, but... You know, we'll just say we got it as a gift from your company and, you know, we just used it one time for the first time, Arab Pesach, and, and that's the thing. The whole Pesach, my husband was sitting there worried about it. Will they, you know, take it as a return? And so I think that goes to show you that my old one that, you know, I'm sure will die at some point in the future, I don't ever worry about it because I think to myself, like, it's okay, I've had it for so long if something happens. You know, I'll find a new one or I'll repair it or replace it and it won't be the end of the world. And I much feel much more comfortable about my old one than I was worried about this brand new one. And, and I guess that's the point. Like, if for each one of us, it's different what we worry about in terms of our stuff. But there is definitely worry. So um, for those of you who have been using Hashem Keeps Me Organized as my mantra, this week I want you to change your mantra a little bit. I want you to say to yourself, more stuff brings me more worry. I don't need more stuff. Or even just, I don't need more stuff. Or less stuff and less worry. And use that as you go through the decluttering process to... Um, to really help you let go. <laughs> 
So remember to say your mantra to yourself and keep me posted on any progress. And if you have any um, ideas for topics that you would like me to speak about, please um, leave me a voicemail or send me an email, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at um, either BellaGonBegon.com or Rebecca Saltzman. That's S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N.com. So, um, yeah, that's it for this week, everyone. Have a great week and happy organizing.